0: Hello and welcome to the Semantic Cybersecurity Brief, our weekly podcast where we discuss all things cybersecurity. I'm Dick O'Brien and joining me today is Semantic threat researcher Bridget O'Gorman. In this week's podcast, we're going to take a bit of a dive into the world of software vulnerabilities and that's because there's been a number of high-profile and pretty dangerous vulnerabilities that have been uncovered in recent weeks and they've sort of catapulted the topic into the news again. So, Let's start at the start and talk about what a vulnerability is. Well, they're essentially a form of bug in software, and a bug is an error in software's code, which means it won't perform the task as expected, and in some cases, it just won't perform at all. Um, so what makes some bugs vulnerabilities is the fact that the bug can be exploited for malicious purposes, um, and that can range from anything from, creating, uh, from crashing the software, crashing the entire computer, providing the attacker with escalated user privileges or even permitting the attacker to install software, which is usually malware on the affected computer. So in short, vulnerabilities are bad news and that's why most software vendors attach a high priority to fixing them. The fix usually comes in the form of an update to the software, which patches the vulnerability and most vendors issue updates fairly regularly, often on a monthly basis, and the updates will usually patch all the bugs, including the vulnerabilities, that they've become aware of that particular month. So for a long time now, vulnerability exploits have, for obvious reasons, been a vital component in the toolkit of any attacker. They can often provide the means of access that provide the attackers with the first vital foothold on the victim's network, or they can do stuff like facilitate the escalation of privileges to give them administrator credentials or facilitate network traversal. Now, the most prized kind of exploit among attackers is what's known as a zero-day vulnerability, which is a vulnerability that the vendor isn't aware of and therefore hasn't patched. Once they become public knowledge, they technically aren't zero days anymore, but the moniker tends to be used until the patch itself is released. Now, Zero Day's had their heyday a few years ago, and since then, usage has declined somewhat, and that's mainly down, we think, to greater awareness of vulnerabilities. Um, Number one, software developers have stepped up their efforts to find and patch them before the bad guys do, while end users are probably more aware now than ever about the importance of keeping their software updated. And one of the big changes has been the advent of bug bounty programs. That's where software developers pay rewards to third-party researchers who find vulnerabilities in their code. And bug bounty programs both encourage researchers to look for vulnerabilities in that particular piece of software, um, but they also take a little bit of the heat out of underground vulnerability marketplaces because previously it was only the bad guys who were willing to pay money for vulnerabilities. So that's kind of summarises uh, what vulnerabilities are uh, in a nutshell. But let's move on to the news that's been coming out in the last week or two. Uh, there's been a number of high profile vulnerabilities that have been found. And First, uh, Bridget is going to tell us about this bug that Microsoft has patched that has been getting a lot of attention in the past week.
1: Yes, yeah, so this bug was patched in one of Microsoft's regular monthly uh, Patch Tuesday updates which came out last week. But rumors about it had actually started um, circulating even before Patch Tuesday. So um, on the Monday, Brian Krebs ran an article on his website about this vulnerability, stating that he had heard that there was what he described as an extraordinarily serious um, security vulnerability in a core cryptographic component present in all versions of Windows. And he said that some breaches of the US military and other kind of high risk customers of Microsoft have been supplied with um early patches for this bug. And now Brian Krebs must have some quite good sources because um, he wasn't too far off with his reporting and full details of the bug then emerged the next day on Patch Tuesday. And so the vulnerability which has been given the cve 2020 or it also has been called curveball by some people because everything needs a catchy name these days yeah. Um, it is a vulnerability it is a vulnerability in the windows crypt api which is a basically a core component of the windows operating system and it handles cryptographic operations and according to microsoft's own advisory about this a spoofing vulnerability exists in the way windows crypt api validates what are known as elliptic curve cryptography certificates. And basically if exploited, the vulnerability could allow an attacker to use a spoofed uh, code signing certificate to sign a malicious executable, uh, therefore making it appear that the file was from a trusted legitimate source. And victims would have no way of knowing that the file was in fact malicious because a digital signature would appear to come from a trusted advisor. And the vulnerability then could allow attackers to carry out man in the middle attacks. It could allow them to intercept or even fake HTTPS connections and it could also allow them to um, produce fake signatures for files and for emails as well. And the vulnerability effects affects windows 10 windows server 2019 and windows server 2016 os versions as well so it really is very serious vulnerability and microsoft didn't offer any other mitigations or workarounds so the only way for devices to be protected from this bug seemingly is by patching it
0: okay that's pretty well explained because anything to do with cryptography usually gives me a pain <laughs> in the head but once you say what uh, the exploit could actually do it gives a fairly good it indication of um just how serious it is. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of interesting things about this um, vulnerability, but one of them is uh, who exactly reported the vote to Microsoft, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so this, in a highly unusual turn of events, um, the NSA, so the National Security Agency in the US, actually discovered this vulnerability and it reported it to Microsoft. And this is actually the first time that the NSA has done that. It's the first time it's reported a bug to Microsoft. Um, and the security agency even released its own security alert about this bug, which is quite a rare event for them and shows, I suppose, how serious they think this mm. bug is. And in the alert, the NSA said, described the bug as severe and said that sophisticated cyber actors will understand the underlying flaw very quickly and they said they described the consequences of not patching this vulnerability as severe and widespread. So it is very clear that they perceive it to be very dangerous vulnerability. And I suppose the fact that the NSA reported the book to Microsoft you know, might be a signal that the agency is kind of changing its ways because following the shadow brokers leak, uh, which occurred back in 2016, where exploits that the NSA had basically been, I suppose, hoarding, were released to the world at large online. And that leak included the Eternal Blue exploit, which of course was a, the kind of key component that uh, allowed the WannaCry ransomware to spread so rapidly and cause such widespread disruption when that outbreak occurred back in 2017. And after that happened, uh, the NSA was criticized strongly for not always reporting the vulnerabilities it discovered as soon as it discovered them. Mm-hmm. Um, so a move like this where it reported this bug to Microsoft may indicate that it's kind of changing how it operates when it comes to things like that.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think Eternal Blue was a real turning point because um, all kinds of intelligence agencies have rumoredly been hoarding vulnerabilities and uh, people have began really questioning the wisdom behind that. Because uh, once you lose control of these tools or if it turns out you knew about something and other people start exploiting it, you know, it really uh, can open you up to an awful lot of criticism and really perhaps cause the public to lose trust uh, in the institution. Um, so um, Microsoft, I believe, they said in the, vu- the advisory that it was likely we were going to see exploits developed for the vulnerability. And it's already happened, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, just two days, I think, after Microsoft released the details of the bug. Uh, there are already proof of concept exploits um, have been published online. So that means that you know we're almost certain to see malicious actors now trying to exploit this. So really, it's, you know, exceptionally important that organizations do uh, like look up this bug and apply any necessary updates to make sure that they're patched against it. Mm, absolutely. And of course, the reason we're discussing vulnerabilities, as you said, oh. Dick, this week is because there have been several serious ones, not just the Microsoft vulnerability that have been uncovered recently. And another one that made the news uh, in recent times, the last couple of weeks, has been a new vulnerability in Citrix. Isn't that right?
0: Yes. Um, so Citrix is a well-known developer of virtualization software, which is widely used in the enterprise space. And on December 17th, it was it announced that it found a zero-day vulnerability in its Citrix application delivery controller software and its Citrix gateway software. And the vulnerability, uh, which has been given the designation cv 1. Nine seven eight one could permit a remote, unauthenticated attacker to perform arbitrary code execution. Uh, so in other words, remote code execution, which is pretty much the holy grail for any kind of uh, attacker wanting to exploit vulnerabilities um so the reason it's been called a zero day was because while citrix disclosed the existence of the vulnerability it was still working away on a patch and while that patch was being developed it urged any affected customers to follow a number of recommended mitigation steps which would reduce the risk of a successful exploit by the attackers now, Citrix didn't say who had uncovered the vulnerability, but they did suggest it had been found by some third party researchers because they uh, mentioned Mikhail Kluchnikov of Positive Technologies and Gian Lorenzo Ciparone and Mikhail Gonzalez of Paddy Power Betfair uh, as uh, working with us to protect Citrix customers. Anyway, Fast forward to January the eighth, uh, when the CERT Coordination Centre, that's Search CC, issued a bulletin. Warning uh, that the vulnerability was now being actively exploited by attackers in the wild, which made it even more important for any users to apply the mitigation measures in advance of the patch. And then a few days later, on January 14th, the U.S. uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, widely known as CISA, uh, released a tool to help security professionals test to see if their organizations were vulnerable to attacks targeting the vulnerability.
1: Okay, so that's already a few developments, but really this is one of those cases where like every day there seems to be new information coming out about this. Book. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, like every day you check the news and there was something else. Um, so a couple of days after that, the Dutch National Cybersecurity Center uh, had advised companies to consider just turning off um, the two uh, Citrix um, a piece of software vulnerable, uh, if the impact to their 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 business was acceptable, and the advice came after Citrix released released another updated advisory on the critical vulnerability, revealing that um, the mitigation uh, that it would recommend didn't work on every affected product. So fortunately, this week. On January 20th, Citrix finally started releasing patches for some versions of Citrix ADC and gateway servers. And it announced a schedule for patching um, other versions.
1: Well, that's good. I suppose that's like the classic, you know, turn it off and turn it back on again advice. nice. So then, <laughs> <laughs> I see. Turn crash. it off and keep it turned on. Yeah. Um, but wasn't there a case that even some cyber criminals were apparently trying to patch this themselves? Yeah,
0: it was that. This was kind of maybe the most interesting development. Be uh, and and by the sounds of it, the patch kind of just started coming right in time because a few days beforehand. Our peers in FireEye uh, pointed to some hackers who were effectively patching the vulnerability themselves by getting onto vulnerable systems and blocking any further exploits.
1: And were they doing this to be, you know, good Samaritans or? Uh, Alas, no. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, yeah, lest there be any doubt that there was no altruistic motive behind the attacks, the, um, the attackers were essentially exploiting the vulnerability to get access, then they were removing any other malware that they found on the system, and then they installed their own malware, which uh, they called Not Robin, which not only acts as a backdoor, but also blocks any further exploit att- attempts. So effectively, they were using the vulnerability to get in and then closing the door after them um, and It was speculated that uh, these were sort of opportunistic attacks and they were kind of hoarding all of these backdoor access for potential future attacks. You know, they were, you know, they had uh, gotten into an awful lot of organizations. Um, So, yeah, fairly serious vulnerability in Citrix. I think there's a vulnerability rating system uh, that when they rate vulnerabilities on one to 10 and this was a 9.8, which. Kind of shows oh, yeah. you, so you know? as high as you can go, nearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nearly as high as you can go, um, and it wasn't the only vulnerability that's um, that's in the news at the moment um, affecting enterprise software. Because the FBI also came out with an alert last week, which perhaps underlines the need for a podcast on this subject. Because it was warning organizations to patch uh, a vulnerability in a VPN server that has had patches available since April of last year.
1: Yes, yeah, so the FBI released uh, the security alert warning that nation state actors had breached the network of a US municipal government and also a US financial entity by exploiting a, a critical vulnerability that exists in the Pulse Secure VPN servers, and um, which has a designation CVE 2019 11 which, as you said, was actually patched back in April 2019. And this is a really serious vulnerability. If exploited, it can allow people without valid usernames or passwords to basically remotely connect to the corporate network that the VPN is supposed to be guarding and could also potentially allow them to turn off things like multi-factor authentication controls and also to remotely view logs and cached passwords in plain text. And the Cybersecurity uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Uh, in the US also released an advisory about this vulnerability on the 10th of January to alert organizations to patch it. So two advisories have been released related to this vulnerability in just in the last couple of weeks and the FBI said that the municipal government that they were warning about been compromised using this vulnerability back in August 2019 and that in that case attackers were able to exfiltrate some user credentials but they're actually prevented from gaining further access because 2fa was enabled across most parts of the system and then in the case of the financial entity the fbi said that attackers were able to gain access to the organization's research network by exploiting exploiting the unpatched servers and also like though it hasn't been officially confirmed yet it hasn't widely reported basically that um the currency exchange service travelex which um, has been in the news a lot mm-hmm. over the last few weeks, because it's still trying to recover from a ransomware attack it suffered in December. It's believed that that was initially compromised using this vulnerability as well. And Travelex was um, infected with the Sojourner Kiwi ransomware on New Year's Eve. And reportedly a $3 million ransom has been demanded from them. And it's not known if it's been paid yet but the company services are still down. They still haven't been fully restored. And this is, you know, nearly a month later, practically. So I suppose an incident like that, it really underlines the risks that businesses are taking when they leave on-patch vulnerabilities on their systems. Because, I mean, the cost, the reputational damage, you know, as well as obviously the, like, and the disruption to business is just huge and, you know, when it's something like an unpatched vulnerability I mean you'd really be ruined the day that patches weren't applied.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean the Travelex attack is, is really uh, it, it sounds incredibly serious um, so like we have examples here of three very uh, dangerous vulnerabilities uh, that mainly, I think, affect enterprise users more than most. Yes. And uh, it kind of hammers home the importance of uh, keeping your software updated. Uh, and it does beg the question of like, do people, um have people not already Get, taking this message not on board and uh, why are people still getting attacked but it's often not that simple is it of just like apply your patches straight away uh, yeah started, it? I think it can be yeah. complicated for
1: businesses mm. and I mean I think a lot of businesses and organisations sometimes they have the fear about applying patches immediately in case mm. it breaks their systems yeah. or it causes things to stop working properly and then for some sectors it's more of a challenge I've been doing a bit of research into the healthcare sector recently and there's kind of various challenges there because of you know, kind of very old systems that would exist and some of the, I suppose, machinery that exists in hospitals that can't even be updated and also some things have to be validated and you can't update them or they lose that validation. And so there's, I suppose, various levels of challenges for different sectors, but I think it's really something that businesses, you know, they really need to be aware of and I suppose if they don't have someone there who can, Mm -hmm. I suppose, keep an eye on all this kind of thing to make sure that everything is being kept up to date, having some kind of solution that automates your patch management could be a solution for that. But, you know, it definitely is a huge problem. But then, as you say, it's not always just straightforward question of just downloading the latest software and off you go. Yeah, there's
0: lots of complexity there. Like you, you talk to enterprise users and they say, well, we have to, we're not going to immediately roll out Something that mightn't play nice with, you know, everything else we have, you know, and they, uh, and they would be running lots of software. So there's there's often a desire to make sure that, you know, any update doesn't break something else. So you can't kind of like just jump in with two feet. Um, but also, I think I think some organizations, it's even a challenge to. You know find out all of the software you're running you know you hear really, stories yeah, about absolutely. this of uh, you know okay we have our official software partners and all that but this like some people in this part of the building who are running this software and nobody's aware of it um so even kind of staying on top of that probably auditing your network making sure that people are only running approved software and all that is is a job in itself really
1: definitely i mean that's a huge problem i think as well of people just having software on their machines that the authorities as such in an enterprise just are not aware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, um, I think that's about all we have time for this week. But if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe to avoid missing out on all of the action. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Threat Intel or Medium at medium.com forward slash Threat-Intel. If you'd like to read our latest research, check out our blog, which can be found at semantic.com forward slash blogs, forward slash threat, intelligence. We'll be back again next week when we'll be once again delving into what's going on in the world of cybersecurity. But until then, thank you and goodbye.